Good morning. He is risen. It's good to see all of you here this morning. It is good to be with you this special Lord's Day, even though it's really, really early and most people are still sleeping in their really, really comfortable beds, in their really comfortable jammies. But hey, we do have the privilege of getting together this morning to celebrate Christ's resurrection. And while others are turning on their beds like the hinges of a door, we get the joy of praising our risen Lord together. And then if that weren't enough, we also get to embark on (laughs) the festivity of eating tamales and drinking... What are we drinking? Yeah, that, whatever that is, so... Good times, good times this morning. Well, it's good to see you all here, but let's go ahead and just ask the Lord to bless our time together. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that is ours in him. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you'll just work in each of our hearts. I pray that you will encourage us and and give us hope through your word and give us hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord. Help me to communicate your word in a way that will be clear. And uh, Lord, just help me to get out of your way so that you might be glorified. We ask all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. Well, there's a saying that goes, there's a sucker born every minute. And as one considers uh, some of the hoaxes that have taken place over the years, that saying is probably not far off. I mean, consider some of these things. Some of you have probably seen uh, the famous Loch Ness Monster photograph. It's a real grainy black and white photograph, and it uh, shows a long head and, and neck kind of emerging from the lake that was eventually revealed to be a hoax. And as the New York Times reported it, The monster that appeared in the photograph was uh, a bogus 12-inch high model made from plastic, wood, and a toy submarine that was purchased for two shillings, six pence in Woolworths in a London suburb. Consider Adolf Hitler's $6 million diary. In 1983, German Newsweekly Stern claimed to be the new owners of what would have been the most Explosive Diaries in History, The Collected Thoughts of Adolf Hitler. And though the magazine paid a cool $6 million for the documents, the the diaries were later exposed as grotesquely superficial fakes made on modern paper using 1980s-era ink and riddled with historical inaccuracies. The prank cost the editors at Stern the Sunday Times, and Newsweek, their jobs. Poor guys. Six million (laughs) dollars. The runaway balloon. In 2009, the world watched in horror as authorities in northern Colorado chased down a runaway helium balloon believed to have been carrying six-year-old Falcon Henne up as high as 6,000 feet. The horror soon turned to relief when it was revealed that young Falcon hadn't taken flight but was instead hiding in his parents' attic and then to outrage once suspicions were raised that the Henne family had concocted the tale of the flyaway child in a bid for a reality show fame. 
That's what they were after. And who could forget the Piltdown Man? In 1912, British scientists believed they had finally found definitive proof of mankind's evolution, the missing link between man and ape, the parts of a skull and jawbone collected from a gravel pit in the village of Piltdown, had many experts convinced that they were the fossilized remains of some unknown form of early man. But 41 years later, Piltdown Man was finally exposed as a composite forgery, a human skull from medieval times, the 500-year-old lower jaw of a Sarawak orangutan, and chimpanzee fossil teeth. You know, many have tried to lump the resurrection of Jesus Christ into the same classification as these hoaxes. And if they are right... It would undoubtedly have to go down as the greatest, most impacting hoax of all time. I mean, from a sheer number standpoint, there would be nothing to compare it to. And every other hoax would be competing for nothing more than second place. But if these doubters are wrong, and they are, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ really did happen, and it did, then it must undoubtedly go down as the greatest and most impacting truth of all time. Christian apologist Josh McDowell writes this, After more than 700 hours of studying this subject and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I have come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever foisted upon the minds of men, or it is the most fantastic fact of history. Church historian Philip Schaeff comments this. He says, The resurrection of Christ is therefore emphatically a test question upon which depends the truth or falsehood of the Christian religion. It is either the greatest miracle or the greatest delusion which history records. You know, and Scripture seems to back this up as well because when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 9, this is what the Word of God clearly states. Now, if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. You know, all throughout Scripture we see uh, time and time again the importance of the resurrection stated and clearly explained to us. We see it in all four of the Gospels. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the letters of Paul, in Peter, John, James, Jude, as well as the book of Hebrews and Revelation. And while we don't have time to look at them all, there is one particular passage that I want to focus in on this morning that I really want to just kind of take a look at. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up with me 
to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is what the Word of God says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power through God, through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This morning I want to talk with you about hope. I want to talk with you about real, living, breathing, biblical hope. Because if the truth be told, many of us really don't understand it. I mean, we have some vague notion that it's usually something that uh, we want to see happen or something we want to do. We find ourselves hoping for things that are both uh, significant and insignificant. Some examples might be, you know, I, I hope I hope I get that job that I interviewed for. Or I, I, I hope I do well on my upcoming test. Or, or I hope my team wins the championship this year. I hope that it doesn't rain tomorrow. We run the gamut. There's many more things that you and I hope for. The list could go on and on, but I hope that you get the, the gist of what's going on here, of what I'm trying to say. For many, hoping is really nothing more than wishful thinking. We'd like to, to see certain things happen, but we can't really control them, so rather than you know hope too much, we just kind of hope a little because we realize those things are out of our control and We just kind of hope that it all works out. But is this what Peter's talking about when he speaks of a living hope? As believers, do we have nothing more than wishful thinking to help us to persevere? You know, what Peter is telling us is that you and I have a hope that is not just wishful thinking. We have a hope that is not dependent upon our circumstances. We have a living hope that comes from a living God. It is a hope that is grounded in what God has already done in the raising of His Son from the dead. This is not wishful thinking, but rather it is a rich and secure hope that is guaranteed to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, to those who have been born again. This is a guarantee. Christ's resurrection, because of it, you and I have the sure hope of being raised up too with Him, just like He was. Christ's resurrection was never meant to be a one-and-done type of an event. It was to be the first of many others to come. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul refers to the raising of Jesus as the first fruits twice. This is a term that describes its place of preeminence, that this is, this is something that, that has happened, and yet it helps us to understand that there is something that is more to come. It is the beginning of it. There is more that is going to follow. 
The resurrection of Jesus guarantees us that the same resurrection that came for Jesus awaits those whose faith is in Him. And while He is the first, He is simply the first of many. He has paved the way. He's conquered death. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to think about the resurrection from time to time. And I like to kind of consider that. And, you know, this is just how tweaked my mind is. I I just, I like to think, you know, what's that going to be like? You know, because in, in some ways we see how things played out with Jesus, right? I mean, we, we realize that there were some things that, that were the same with him and there were some things that were different. How's that going to, to look with us? Like when we get resurrected, do, do we go back to being infants or are we resurrected in kind of how whatever state we were in when we died? Do we kind of go back to a toddler year? Do we kind of go back to teenager years? I sure hope not. You know, how does that, how does that work? Do we get hair back if we lost it? Are we, are we a little more physically appealing than maybe we, we are now? Do we have something that gets changed, gets radically altered? You know, what happens? Well, you know what? I, I don't have the answers to those questions. I just like to kind of think about those types of things. But you know what? I, I realize I don't have to, to fret over those types of things because While I may not know what my resurrected body is going to look like and all of the particulars that go along with that, I have a living hope that I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one. And that just files right in place with Romans 8.11. Listen to what Romans 8.11 says. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We get it. I can't tell you how old you're going to be. I can't tell you how good looking you're going to be. I can just tell you you're going to be perfect. And praise God for that because we have a Savior that has gone before us We have a Savior that is the first fruits of the resurrection. And because of His resurrection, we can have a living hope. We can have total confidence. Even though we don't know what all the particulars are going to look like, we can have total confidence that we're going to have that resurrected body because Jesus has it. But not only does Christ's resurrection give us a living hope in regards to our bodies... It also offers us a rich hope, an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and that will not fade away, an inheritance that is reserved in heaven. You see, because Jesus has conquered death and has been raised up, and because He is currently sitting at the right hand of the Father, because He he is waiting for every enemy to be put in and to become a footstool for his feet. Every believer is given the promise of being a joint heir in Christ, in heaven, forever. No longer will be part of those things that are perishing, those things that are being defiled, those things that are, are fading away. All of that will be gone. And we will be with the King of glory. And as the song goes, oh, what a time of rejoicing that will be. Take a moment and consider 
all of your earthly treasures that you've accumulated here on earth. Think about some of those things that you've just had to have. Those things that meant so much to you. And think about what has happened to them over the years. Think about how they've worn out. Think about how they've become obsolete. Think about all of those things that this earth tells us are important and we have to have. And then compare that to what is going to be ours in heaven. Contrast those thoughts of all of those things that are breaking and decaying here on earth and compare that with the thoughts of heaven whereby nothing, nothing will wear out. Nothing will become obsolete. Consider the rich hope that is yours all because of the resurrection of Christ. Think about how his resurrection has paved the way for you to be in heaven with him, not for a day, not for a week, not for a year, not even for a thousand years, but an eternity, an eternity in heaven with that inheritance Brothers and sisters, this is not just some wishful thinking. This is reality. This is reality for Christians. This is what our hope is. And we have, we have confidence in this hope because Jesus has gone before us. He's conquered death. He's overcome the grave. We don't have to fear death anymore. Jesus has conquered that. He's overcome it. This is true for each and every one of us that has placed our faith in Jesus Christ. This, this is a rich hope, and it's yours because, again, the grave couldn't hold Jesus. It couldn't keep him in. He conquered it. The empty tomb offers us a rich hope because it ushers us into the presence of a holy God that is perfect in every way. A God whose glory causes the things of this world to grow strangely dim in the light of who He is and what He's done. But as if what we've covered thus far wasn't enough, Christ's resurrection offers us a a secure hope that finds us protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know about you, but I can remember having some pretty grandiose ideas regarding my dad. My dad was a pretty big guy, so it wasn't hard to picture him being grandiose. He weighed about 300 pounds. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine looking at me that uh, he was 300 pounds, but he was. And you know what? He was a guy that I thought was, uh, you know, pretty strong. And, you know, if, if you're a guy, you, you understand how it is with your dad. You know, if you want to figure out how tough you are, if you want to figure what, what you're doing, you kind, of, you kind of go up against him. And you kind of, uh, you know, as you're a kid, you try to just see, you know, can I, can I impact him in any way? Can I, can I at least, you know, make him move or, or say, ouch, or something like that? And I can remember, you know, trying to do that. But, you know, more times than not, I was kind of like the, the Bugs Bunny cartoon, you know, where you got Bugs Bunny on the back of the crusher, and he's, and he's got him in a headlock, but, you know, the crusher's just kind of filing his nails and just kind of not doing anything. But, you know, 
in my mind, my dad was a, was a strong guy. And, and I'm sure all of you, whether you're a guy or, or a gal, we have, when we're young, we have these thoughts of our dads like they're invincible, that they're strong, that there's nothing that can hurt them. We learn to find out that that's not true as they get older and we watch them start to decay before our eyes. But, you know, I saw my dad as a strong guy. And because of that, there was a certain security that I had with him. You know, I felt, I felt safe at night when my dad was at home. I felt secure that, you know what, nothing was going to happen. If anybody came in, my dad would take care of them. There would be nobody that would, uh, that would be able to hurt us. You know, that, that were my thoughts as, as a kid. And as we consider verse 5 in our text, the words say this, protected by the power of God. And I want you to let that kind of just grab your attention. Because if there are certain people in your life that can cause you to feel secure, that can cause you to feel safe, that can kind of put you at ease, as it were, because you see them as being a powerful figure, somebody who's got some bulk behind them and they're going to be able to take care of you. How much more secure should we feel when we allow God into the equation? I mean, think about that. As believers, we are protected by the power of God. The one that has always been, the one who simply spoke this world into existence, the one who said, let there be and there was. This is the God that protects us. This is the God whose power is is over us. This is the God who we can have that security in. This is where our secure hope is to come from, His power, His strength, His might. Now, I love the passage that's found in John 10, 27 through 30, where by Jesus is speaking to some Jewish people in the temple, and they want to know, you know, are you the Christ? Are you the one we've been, been waiting for? We're seeing you do some things, and, and yet you're not doing everything that we think you should be doing, so tell us, are, are you him? And, you know, Jesus says, you know, I've told you, I am, but, but you don't believe me, and you won't believe me because you're not, you're not one of my sheep. And then he speaks these words in verses 27 through 30. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I And the Father are one. What a great picture as it relates to our security in Christ. What a great picture to give us this this peace, this, this secure hope. Because we realize that if we are a child of God, we are in God's hand. And who in the world can possibly take us out from that strong hand? 
Brothers and sisters, that is a secure hope. And the resurrection gives us that secure hope because, again, not even death could hold Jesus Christ. Not even death could keep him down. Not even death was strong enough to stop Jesus Christ from being resurrected and coming back from the dead. That is a great, great promise. I mean, I've known some pretty tough guys, but I've never known anybody that could conquer death other than Jesus Christ. And yet this is exactly what he's done. And because of that, we have a secure hope that by being found in him, by being one of his sheep, we will be safe and no one, not even Satan, can threaten our eternal dwelling with Christ. Let us never forget that if God is for us, then who can be against us? The resurrection is a great, great promise. It is something that you and I need to come back to time and time again, again, just not on Easter, because the resurrection gives us hope. It gives us a living hope. It gives us it gives us a uh, a firm hope, a rich hope, a secure hope. It does all of these things because the resurrection brings us back to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the greatest hope that we can have. And again, we come here this morning. And we have to come to deal we have to deal with the resurrection and you have to ask yourself, is the resurrection just another hoax? Or is it true? And again, you guys are the faithful. You guys are here early. So I think I know what your answer is, but but really think about that. Because again, this isn't just wishful thinking type of hope. This is a sure, unshakable confidence that is grounded in what Jesus Christ has done. We need to be a people that are constantly thinking about this hope. We need to be a people that that realize what Christ has done for us paves the way so that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything that this world may throw at us. You know, life isn't always easy. Sometimes things are rough. And I'm not trying to play light on that. But really, if, if we're in Christ... No matter what happens, we get resurrected. We get to spend an eternity in heaven. So whatever you go through here, whatever difficulties, whatever trials, remember this is a a blip on the radar screen compared to eternity. Hold on to that hope. Cling to that hope. Live out that hope. This is what God has given you in the resurrection. This is what he has laid before you. The tomb couldn't hold him. If you go to Christ's grave, he's not there. No hoax. It's reality. It's truth. And because of that, you and I are to have a living, rich, secure hope. And let us praise God for his gracious act of love in the sending and the resurrecting of His one and only unique Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May each of us
this morning move forward with a living, rich, and secure hope that the world cannot touch. But may they see and be drawn to the risen Lord as they see this hope in us. Brothers and sisters, this is Easter. Let us hope with the confidence that we have because of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Let me close us in a word of prayer and then Tim's going to come up and close us in one song. But let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You are so good to us. And we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth that it contains. And I thank You for the many You have brought here this morning. Lord, I pray that You will help them to walk away encouraged. I pray that You will strengthen their hope. And that, Lord, You will just do a great work in each of our hearts. Help us to be a people who are ever mindful of the resurrection and what that means and the great promises that are ours as a result of it. We thank you, we praise you, and we just hold up the rest of our time to you this morning. In Christ's precious name, amen.